This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere where even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's model podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin this week. How are you guys doing? Good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. All right, so before we before we get started, we just want to um, say to anybody who is in the on the coastal south, you know, good luck with everything going on with the hurricane. Uh, stay safe, and hopefully you get through with everything uh is unscathed and and not a lot of property damage and and whatever else yep it's got upgraded to cat five now right mm-hmm yeah pretty crazy pretty crazy but obviously uh there's no such thing as climate change mm. yeah of course all uh, very that's normal ju- that's mm-hmm. just science all right so um well Speaking of cataclysms, 80 years ago today, on September 1st, World War II started. Um, the day before, on August 31st, 1939, a bunch of Polish nationals attacked and they seized control of a radio tower in eastern Germany, and they started broadcasting some anti-German propaganda. But in reality, those, those Polish nationals were actually members of the Gestapo, and the whole thing was a false flag operation, and it was basically designed to give Germany a pretext to invade Poland, and they did, and World War II started. And as we know, hundreds of major leaguers and minor leaguers and amateurs, whoever, 
either enlisted voluntarily or they were drafted and served in one of the armed forces. And a lot of them, the more famous players especially, they got kind of cushy assignments. Things like traveling around and just raising morale or raising money for war bonds, things like that. But a couple of a couple of them actually saw, you know, real combat and they're, you know, quote unquote real veterans. So there's three of those guys that we will uh, discuss, I guess, in promote extend trade right now. They're all related to the Mets and they're all actual World War Two veterans. First guy is Warren Spahn who served in the army in Europe from 1942 to 1945, and he won a Purple Heart during the Battle of the Bulge. And he's obviously uh, was a Mets pitcher, 1965, and, and a coach at the same time. So that's his Mets involvement. Next up is Gil Hodges, who served with the Marines in the Pacific Theater from 1943 to 1946, and he won the Bronze Star for Valor and Heroism under fire. And obviously... Gil Hodges is Gil Hodges. And last but not least is Mo Berg, who served in the OSS from 1943 to 1946 in Europe. And he won the Presidential Medal of Freedom for his participation in uh, Project Larson and Project Azusa, which are basically intelligence gathering operations about German nuclear programs. And Berg's connection to the Mets is the fact that he lived in North Jersey for most of his life and he became a Mets fan. And the actual last thing that he ever said, or last thing that anybody ever heard him say, was, how did the Mets do today? And That's a depressing way to go out, because the yeah. answer probably wasn't good. No, they actually did win, so. Well, that's, that's a nice change of pace then. Yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if anybody knew, and I don't know if anybody told him, so. <laughs> but yeah, that is Mo's, uh, Mets connection. So, of these three World War II veterans, who are we going to promote? Who are we going to extend? And who are we going to trade? A clarifying question: mm-hmm. Are we promote extend trading their baseball careers or military careers? Yeah, uh, we are. The same question. Considering them as in tandem, perhaps? in tandem. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of guys. That's, I was trying to pick guys that were more or less on the same level. I mean, you know, Warren Spahn is a Hall of Famer, obviously. But, I, you know, I wasn't trying to pick, you know, Warren Spahn and then just some, you know, minor league jabronis because then it would be pretty obvious. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, Spahn is just the obvious choice to extend. Yep. Um, that, Ber- that Berg military career, though, is really fun. I kind of – I mean, not fun, obviously, but inter- – What? how do I phrase this? Interesting? He's just a bad player, though. He was. He was really bad. <laughs> the career-weighted runs created a 48. Not particularly good. It's bad even by catcher standards. But at the same time, he did possibly save the free world. So yeah, yeah. You have to balance that with that. You know, fuck it. I'll promote uh, Berg, and I will trade Gil Hodges, which is probably like blasphemous to some Met fans, but whatever. <laughs> As that, that's very bold. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I'll promote, uh, or I'll extend Hodges and promote Berg because saving the free world is pretty, you know. <laughs> you gonna trade Spawn? <laughs> yep. I'm thinking. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, I did the same thing. It was tough for me. Basically, the deciding factor is that Spahn's Mets connection is kind of tenuous. Like, he was a player for, like, four months, whatever it was. And obviously, Berg would never play for the Mets, but he is Mo Berg. I mean, everything else, I think, is enough to, to counteract that. But it was a tough one, and it was interesting. Just you know, it was that was a good one. Just reading the, about everything. Call him the iceberg because his bat is always so cold. Oh, good one. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then that was terrible. And <laughs> uh, Syracuse Mets. They went five and three, and that puts them at seventy three and sixty five for the year. And we'll talk about their playoff picture in a little bit. But they're actually playing right now as we speak, and their magic number is one. So they need to uh, they need to win because if they win, they're in, and they're if they lose, they're out. So more on that later, though. Binghamton Rumble Ponies they went four and four, and that puts them at thirty one and forty three for the year, which is still dead last in the Eastern League Eastern Division and long eliminated from the playoffs. St. Lucie they went one and four, and then the rest of the season was canceled due to Hurricane Dorian. And all in all, um, it was an okay year for St. Lucie. They went 32 and 34 in the first half, and then 36 and 32 in the second half, which gives them a record of 68 and 66 for the year combined. So over 500 at least. Columbia Fireflies, they went uh, 1 and 6, which dropped them to 28 and 40 in the second half, which surprisingly is not dead last in the division. The Greenville Drive were actually worse with a 24 and 43 record. Is that the Greenville that spells it with an extra E in the middle? No, that's just G-R-E-E-N. Okay, fine, fine. Mm-hmm. I have great antipathy for whichever, whichever Greenville has that extra E because it always bothers me. Yeah, agreed. Um, but obviously, even though they're not in dead last, uh, Columbia is way out of the playoff picture. And they're going to end the year 6 out of 7 in the Atlantic League Southern Division. Brooklyn went 4 and 3 this year and they are currently 42 and 32 and they're another team that are in the, they're possibly in the playoff picture and it's a very crowded playoff picture so we'll go into that in a little bit but the Cyclones are alive. Kingsport, they played 4 games and they went 2 and 2 and unfortunately their loss to the Johnson City Cardinals on the last day of the season cost them the division. And then the Bristol Pirates, they beat the Denville Braves. And that cost Kingsport the wild card. So on the last day of the season, they missed the playoffs completely. All in all, though, it was a successful year. They went 34 and 34, and that was good for third place in the Appalachian League West. And finally, the GCL Mets. Uh, again, just like St. Lucie, their season ended early because of Hurricane Dorian, and they went 30 and 24 on the year. So another team that ended the year above 500. Our hit of the week for this week now is Danny Espinosa of the Syracuse Mets. In seven games this week, he hit 333, 407, 792 with two doubles and three home runs and a stolen base for good measure. So uh, Espinosa is actually the hitter of the week for the very first week of the year. So it's kind of good symmetry because, you know, this week is pretty much the last full week of the season. So we are opening and closing the air, Danny Espinosa, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is probably not anything anyone <laughs> no. expected. No. 
who had whoever had that in the pool, uh, good for you. Yeah, but pretty much the same exact thing that we said on week one of the year still applies to uh, week 23, I think we are at now. Jesus. And basically, the Mets have a, a crowded middle infield, and there's probably n- no room for Danny Espinosa. And the fact that just today, uh, Dilson Herrera opted out of his contract because presumably the Mets said we have nowhere for you to play means that uh, Espinosa is probably not going to be a September call-up, and he'll probably just go on his merry way next season. I'm sad they didn't call up Dillweed. Dillweed yeah. hernia. Very hard. Dillweed. Also, I, I, I know we had the same conversation last time we talked about Espinosa. I'm still traumatized by him because he was on those Nationals teams that just beat the ever-loving shit out of the Mets for a couple of years, and it felt mm-hmm. like he hit a huge dong every series. He was actually pretty mediocre against the Mets all in all, but God, those those national teams just obliterated the Mets every series. It's painful. Not good times. Not no. good times. Back when Ian Desmond versus Danny Espinosa was a debate. <laughs> Turns out they're both bad. Yeah, I remember what I remember when the season started and we were just kind of you know doing the research on him or whatever. I'm just like, wait a minute, I thought he was good. Like, yeah. No. Nope. I haven't paid attention since like 2011, whatever it was. But yeah, he uh, he went down pretty quickly. He did. Another guy that went down pretty quickly is our pitcher of the week, and that is uh, Binghamton left-hander Zach Lee. Uh, he pitched. He made two starts this week, and he pitched a total of fourteen point one innings, and he allowed just one run over the whole thing. So that's a zero point six three ERA, and he allowed one walk, and he struck out fourteen, and it's been a, a tale of two seasons for Lee. When he was in Syracuse, he was pretty bad. He had like a five ERA uh, or even even higher. And then with Binghamton, it's not, not, he's not been there as long, but he's been pretty good. So, I mean, given the fact that he struggled in AAA and he struggled in the major leagues, it's I guess apparent that his ceiling is, you know, of, of that kind of double-A hitter Oh, excuse me, double-A pitcher. And, you know, how the mighty have fallen, because he was supposed to be like the next Clayton Kershaw, you know? Back before the Dodgers got good. Yep. He made his debut against the Mets way back when, in uh, 2015, I think, and they beat him up. Well, he was... uh... Not a good major league pitcher. No, he was one of one of Conforto's first hits in the big leagues was against him. I don't know if it was his very first, but really, I don't remember yeah. that. I could pull up the game log. You would be correct because Conforto went four for four that day. Yeah, yep. not bad. That's they a good won day. that game. Where's the score out here? Fifteen to two. Hmm. Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now Espinosa. I think that he has enough, let's say, major league experience, and just like he's in, he's more of a name that he'll probably get a contract. Some, you know, same thing like this season, he'll probably get a Triple A contract somewhere, possibly the Mets. Maybe he comes back. Who knows? And will be a guy that uh, you know you could you could foresee you could you could see him possibly be getting called up to the major leagues in some situation where a team needs a middle infielder. Yeah, Lee. Um, 
probably not that same situation. I don't really see him being called up by a major league team. Unless, let's say, next season, wherever he is, he is somehow an amazing transformed pitcher. But assuming that doesn't happen, would you bring Lee back as like just a kind of depth player? He's going to be, I think he's either 27, turning 28, or he already turned 28. So he's not a million years old. Obviously, though, the upside is not really much. But at the same time, he is a former, you know, former top pitching prospect, not in baseball, but in the Dodgers system. And there was promise there. It's mm. a good question. Yeah. Um, I think the more relevant question is um, who's going to get that spot if not him, you know? Or do right. you have enough high minors pitching prospects to um, fill all of the slots, you know? Right. Going to this next year, you would assume that between double A and triple A, let's see. So there'll be David Peterson, Harold Gonzalez, Kevin Smith, Tony DeBrell. They've been using uh Tyler McGill as a starter, so I will assume that they'll continue that. Drew Gagneau still will be around. Corey Oswald will still be around. Chris Mazza, I think, will still be around. Chris Flexen, depending on how they want to use him, will still be around. I think they gave up on him as a starter. Yeah, he's been mostly in relief. Tommy Wilson will be around. There are a bunch of arms to Uh... make starts. I I think I mean I don't think this is a great an easy question to answer because ideally you go to your coaching staff and say look go look at some video here are a couple arms we identified as potentially post type sleepers statistically interesting for one reason or another pick out a couple that you think you can fix or that you think you can work with and that's who you should sign oh yeah you know? we are we are definitely operating on a on a on a blind basis here. Right. We don't know anywhere near as much as the major league clubs do. And then also there's a bunch, you know, like I don't know off the top of my head who the uh, 2020 crop of, you know, free agents is going to be. So. Right. But I, I feel like Lee has enough youth and enough form potential he, to he's... just kind of dangle in front of you and to say, you know, hmm. I feel like he's got at least, like, three invitations to camp left in him, you know? Yeah, yeah probably. Yep, yep. That's probably, like, a way to answer this without really answering it. Yeah. And I don't know... He's the type of guy who you would invite into camp, and if he shows something, you know, let him pitch in AAA for a little bit if you have the spot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the top of my head his platoon splits, but obviously as a left-hander, they're given way more opportunities than right-handers. Now, just based on uh, – well, if Fangrass would cooperate with me before I say something, that's not true. Okay, so like his – it's not like he has the greatest measurables. It's not like he's a guy who just needs more control. His stuff just isn't good enough. So I don't know. For for me, I feel like just in a vacuum, the guys I'd rather gamble on are high stuff, no control types, right, That that need that improvement not someone who has never had good enough stuff because 
your stuff probably is not going to improve in your late twenties. No. Most of the time. Unless someone teaches him the knuckleball. Yeah, I mean, hey, if he says, hey, I'll learn a knuckleball if you resign <laughs> me, uh, yes, <laughs> take this contract. And speaking of the conversation from before about the, the pitchers that will be in double and triple A, oh, obviously I'm such Janus. an idiot. He forgot about Mickey Janice. The true, the true MVP. Binghamton yep. Rumble Ponies franchise legend. He is, he is. Is he slated for minor league free agency at some point, or I, I have no, no idea. How I'm going to venture a guess and say we're well past that, Lucas. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, that he comes back mostly because he enjoys, <laughs> you know. It's reasonable. He enjoys Binghamton, the uh, only person in the world that does. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we will be right back after this, and we'll get into some playoff discussion. Be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, welcome back to From Complex to Queens. I'm Steve Saipa. I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin. And the 20, the 20, oh my God, the 2017 season. What am I saying? The 2019 season is pretty much over, but a few teams are still playing and two are in the playoff picture, Syracuse and Brooklyn. So we will, uh, discuss Syracuse first. And like I said earlier, they're actually playing right now. They are currently beating Rochester three nothing. So that's really good. Um, but all this that we're about to talk about might be, you know, completely irrelevant tomorrow, but whatever. But, uh, Syracuse is 73 and 65 on the year. They're a game and a half behind the squid and Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. Syracuse needs to win today to bring that deficit back down to just one game. And it's looking good. And then it all comes down to tomorrow or depending on when you're listening to this tonight, possibly. Um, if you're if you're listening on Monday, but Syracuse is playing Rochester, Scranton is playing Buffalo. Both of those teams are pretty much equal in the record, so neither Syracuse nor Scranton Wilkesbury has an advantage of playing a weaker team. Um, but we're just gonna go on. The, we're gonna proceed here on the notion that Syracuse makes the playoffs. So let's look at their offense first. Um, you know, we see all the numbers in the Daily Reform Report that we're all doing every day, and we all know about the juiced ball and everything in the International League and how offense is up and everything's crazy. But Syracuse is actually one of the teams that benefited from it the least. Um, there's 14 teams in the International League, and Syracuse is ninth in OPS. They are fifth in homers, so 
that's been helping them. But in terms of just complete offense, um, you know, they're, they're not really getting too big of a, a boost. And if they do make the playoffs, they're going to be without two of their better sluggers because Rene Rivera, uh, the catcher who was leading the team with 25 homers, he's on the big league team now. And Dilson Herrera, who is tied with Travis Tyrone for the second most on the team, 24, he opted out of his contract and he's not with Syracuse anymore. Rene so Rivera is, slugger is a strange sentence. Yeah. That, that leaves Travis Tyrone bona fide slugger. And uh Danny Espinosa, I guess, slugger in parentheses, because he has 20. Those are the next uh, two big boppers on the team. There are a couple of people that are decent table setters, um, in AAA anyway. Arismendi Alcantara, he's, he's hitting for a pretty high average. Aaron Alter in, in AAA is hitting for a pretty decent average. Jason Kreisen, you know, so maybe if everything clicks, you know, you'll be able to have Tyrone and, and Espinosa do some damage with the long ball with these other guys getting on base. But I don't know. They're very, both of them are very kind of boomer bust players. A lot of long swings, a lot of strikeouts. So it's kind of, I don't know, seems kind of hairy. But on the other hand, their pitching is really good. Uh, pitching has definitely been one of their strengths this season. And that's crazy for for us Mets fans. I mean, we're used to Las Vegas and playing in the PCL since like 2012, 2011, whatever it's been. Pitching in AAA has never been a strength. God. But Drew Gagneau, Corey Oswalt, they've been two of the best pitchers in the entire International League this year. Harold Gonzalez, he's looked pretty good in the month or so that he's been in AAA. And, you know, that's a really good one, two, three if you're in a in – a, playoff series and then the bullpen is also pretty solid there's a lot of guys that have major league experience um chris mazza tim peterson chris flexen brooks pounders maybe not you know maybe they haven't had success in the major leagues but you know it, it counts as something and then there's a lot of solid arms that haven't um made their major league debuts yet but they're pretty decent uh matt blackham Ryder ryan blake taylor Donis who said, uh, so all in all, I think pitching is going to be pretty important for in, in any series, and Syracuse looks pretty good in that regard. It's such a it's such a like uh, underwhelming na- list of names. Really. Right, they're they're getting it done, but there's nobody flashy. The craziest thing, I guess, is is Steven Nogasek. I mean. What's the first thing that you think of when you think of Steven Nogasek? Bad. Right. You, at most, you're just kind of ambivalent about it. But he has not allowed a single run since May 15th. That's what? Just, yeah. This is the same Steven... Is it Nogasek? Nogasek? Whatever. It's the same guy? Mm-hmm. Unless there's... Unless there's, like, scrolls running around and taking different <laughs> forms. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have uh, expected that. Right, so... That's wild. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show that some of these names, you know, nobody, you're not going to get excited about a Tim Peterson, especially at the Major League level. I, I think you mean Tim Leaderson. Oh, excuse me. Right. 
but you know he can get it done in AAA. You know, so I don't know. All in all, though, you know, they're they're set on pitching. I think that that's gonna if they advance. I think that they're gonna get actually to the end because I feel like Gagno, Oswald, and Harrell. That is like for AAA a pretty really it's a really good rotation for a triple a team and i mean especially with like um you know we're at the we're in september so like any guys with any big league utility are going to be up right exactly Having the mets those three you know after the fact <laughs> the mets are fighting basically for the play of their playoff lives so anybody who they've deemed relevant you know they've already siphoned and took which is unfortunate again for Dilson because I don't know what they're seeing that I'm not. Not that Dilson is a world beater, but he has utility as as a you know, utility player. <laughs> but whatever. I mean, I want to know where Dilson like who's going to give Dilson a major league opportunity right now? Why is he opting out? And I don't. I, I, I struggle don't know, to think of a team. I guess if he was told or or however he found out that, that the Mets are not going to be giving him that opportunity. Better to go somewhere, I don't know, put yourself out there and maybe mm. cross your fingers than stay where you know you're not going to be getting it. That's fair. Then again, I guess it's pretty easy to imagine like one of these really terrible teams saying, you know, you're 25, you're what's a top prospect, come play for a month. Like, who are the right. Orioles running out at second base? Exactly. Yeah, and, or and, like if, if anyone gets injured... um He'd probably be a decent guy to call. Gatelle Marte just got hurt, kind of, but he's, uh, the Diamondbacks aren't really in the race. I don't know. Look at a, look at a guy like Mike Jacobs, where he went on that tear, and what did he have, like 10 homers in the month of September? Whatever it was. Which is a lot, and that's an impressive feat. But all you need is, you know, a couple of weeks of, you know, all you need is a couple of weeks to impress to get yourself set for, years to come, which is what happened with Jacobs because he was never really ever good. So Dilson could go somewhere, have himself a pretty good week or two, and find himself a rostered major leaguer next year. And I hope, you know, I hope that is what happens because I don't know, he deserves it, I guess. Not that I know him personally. Yeah, I I still think he would have been a better fit on this roster than, than some of the players they currently have. Like Joe Panic isn't good. No, why, why, I would, why? I would he's much a proven veteran. Yeah, a proven veteran with the lowest <laughs> exit velocity in baseball. Legit, he's not been good since like 2016. Yeah, <laughs> in literal years. Mm-hmm. But he's a former All Star, so like, like even even before he just his back got all screwed up, he had no power, and then his back got all screwed up. Ugh. 2015 All Star. When Luis Guillorme can outslug you, that's not good. Not great. He he got like basically all of a ball earlier this game, and it died short of the warning track in center field with a juice ball off Zach Eflin. Well, the Mets, for some reason that I cannot discern, like him. So, Mm. oh well. He can punt. All right, well, 
moving on now to the other team in the playoff picture in their respective uh, league is uh, the Cyclones. They played earlier today. I was there. It was a very exciting come-from-mind win in the ninth. And they're in a similar situation to Syracuse where they are a game behind. Um, they're a game behind the Hudson Valley Renegades, and they're tied with the Aberdeen Ironbirds. And Hudson Valley and the Aberdeen are actually playing each other. So it doesn't really matter who wins, but it matters that Brooklyn wins tomorrow. Um, assuming Brooklyn wins tomorrow, depending on who wins between the Ironbirds and the Renegades, Brooklyn will either be the wild card or the McNamara division winner. But either way, they need to win. And if they do, they'll be going to their first playoff series since 2012. Are you saying that Brooklyn must win? Yeah, they must win. <laughs> um, their offense this year, it's pretty good. And usually Brooklyn's offense stinks. A combination of like park factors and league factors and stuff. And just the fact that it's kind of full of college guys who are playing basically another whole season after playing a whole college season. And obviously who the Mets have drafted in the last couple of years hasn't helped things very much, but, you know, that is what it is. But the bats this year are not too bad. They have Joe Genord at first. Uh, his numbers don't look too good, but he does have nine homers, and that's more than any Cyclone since Travis Tyrone hit nine in 2012. So he's a legit power bat. Um, Luke Ritter at second. His batting average has kind of dropped off, but he still gets on base at a huge rate. I think he's hitting like 210, but his on base percentage is like 350 plus, something like that. Wilmer Reyes and Jose Peroza, they're both middle infielders. They came to the years, guys, to kind of keep an eye on. And I'm still not really sure if either has done enough to kind of strengthen their cases, bona fide prospects, but they're both having decent years. Uh, they have Brett Beatty at DH now, and I think me, I, I saw him extensively in Kingsport. I also saw him today, and Ken saw him yesterday, and I yep. think we can both agree that the kid looks tired. Yeah. Um, but his Real bat guess. is is still a, a middle-of-the-lineup bat, and he does have game-changing potential with a single swing. So, you know, you don't want to count him out ever. And then in the outfield, Cyclones don't really have anybody that's particularly good with the bat, but everybody is really defensively sound. Um, Antoine Duplantis, Jake Mangum, Kenny Taylor, Renfia Don, like these are all pretty good, you know, fielders. They, they all could probably, they could all play center field solidly, and they are all at least average-ish center fielders. So there's plenty of range, good arms around, good instincts everybody has. It's, it's a very defensively sound field. Pitching, on the other hand, is another story. And it's kind of like pitching and hitting a flip-flop this year. Usually the Cyclones get by in good pitching and the offense stinks. This year the offense is okay, and I don't want to say that the pitching stinks this year, but it's not really a strength. Um, it's not bad, but it's not really that great either. Garrison Bryant, he's one of the best pitchers in the league going by the stats, but his stuff is only so-so. Um, you know, 90 more per fastball and nothing above average in terms of his secondaries. So it's not like I'd be uncomfortable for him to be pitching on the mound in a playoff situation, but 
it's not like he's an automatic victor or anything like that. Yeah, he's like um good enough for the Penn League, but you know. Mm-hmm. After him is Michael Tanyez and Matt Cleveland. They both throw hard, but they have terrible command. So again, comfort level not exactly not exactly confident with either one on the mound. Frank Valentino, he's the same thing like Bryant. There's nothing above average that he's throwing and he's going to have a hard time getting the better hitters out. So the rotation, it's, you know, statistically it's it's been looking good, but the stuff it's pretty it's pretty underwhelming all in all. But the so the, the Cyclones bullpen has looked pretty good this season, so maybe the bullpen will do the heavy lifting. If you can get through, you know, three, four innings with the start, each of those starters, and the bullpen takes it from there. But all in all, I don't know. I'm not really very confident with this Brooklyn lineup. They seem very feast or famine with the bats. And even though, like, I don't think legit, I don't think there have been any massive clunkers with any of these pitchers this year. I feel like the bottom is just going to give out at any point. Yeah. That's right. Reasonable. Should we talk about the reinforcements that they've called in? That is true. I was kind of hoping that maybe he'd get a pitch hitting assignment today, but there, there's this, this, uh, this <laughs> name, the second baseman who has uh, been called up to called up, I guess. I don't know. To, to <laughs> Brooklyn. <laughs> because after all, Brooklyn must win. Mm hmm. They, in their, their pivotal game tomorrow or, or tonight, if you're listening to this on Monday, whatever, Robinson Cano will be playing second base. And the other, what did he do on Saturday? He was like two um, for four with a double or something? Two for four with a double before leaving in the, the seventh, the bottom of the seventh. All right. So, I mean, if he can go two for four with a double tomorrow, I'll take it. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, the other guy who was called up to reinforce a, you know, so-so Cyclones team was Matt Allen. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. He looked good, think, though, didn't think, he? He did, he did. Um, you know, mid-90s fastball, like 93 to 95, a little bit of run on it. Uh, the curveball is legit nice. Um... Chain, even through a couple like good changeups, he's yeah no, your your good starting pitcher starter kit, you know. Yeah, even the even the random low quality off angle, uh, <laughs> gyps from where the fuck was he Kingsport or wherever were like oh uh, GCL yeah GCL whatever that's a nice curveball right there. Mm-hmm, yep. mm-hmm. Not always hitting your target with it, but that's going from like someone's eyes to their knees. Yep. I was a little surprised that a catcher was not called up because the catching situation in Brooklyn is not particularly good. No. And it's relatively crowded below in Kingsport. Yeah. I mean, I could understand that they don't want to call up Francisco Alvarez. He played his first full season. He's only 17. Obviously, you know, as a catcher, there's a lot of wear and tear. I could understand letting him have the rest of the, you know, I mean, rest of the season is just a week or so, but I can understand him, you know, not being called up and not having to play the last series or so with Brooklyn and just getting to rest for the, until next season. They could have used, though, um, Andres Renault and or Wilfred Astudillo. La Tortuga, too, Electric Boogaloo. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I think both would have made sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they didn't get a shot. I mean, both of them were pretty decent too. So, and yeah, I, I mean, wouldn't be that young for right. No, yeah. I think I think they're both twenty, or they're both one is twenty, one is nineteen, or one is twenty-one and the other is twenty. Whatever the case may be, though. But yeah, I mean, one or both are probably going to be in Brooklyn next season anyway. So why not give them a, a, a taste of what you know? Pen league pitching is like and what the city is like. I don't know. I think it should have happened. Maybe, maybe they've got like nagging injuries or something we don't know about. Um, catching is brutal. So. Yeah, I mean, sim- yeah, similar to Alvarez, it's they're, they're doing a lot of catching. It's a tough, tough, uh, tough position. Or may, maybe they feel like because the pitching's so weak for Brooklyn, they don't want to mess with the catchers. But it's not like their current option is is that great either. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw Ortega was catching today, and he is not a good uh, defensive oriented catcher. No, he's <laughs> not. All. No. Let's see. Uh, look at it now. I want to say that Stanelon stole like five bases off of him just today. Like they were just running like crazy. Let's see. Stolen bases. One, two, three. Only three? Huh. It seemed like more. <laughs> three stolen bases and then one caught stealing. That And that caught stealing was really a bad call. I mean, that should have been, really, he should have been out, so it should have been four stolen bases, but they, they got a, a blessing in disguise there. But yeah, he's not the great. Ariel, uh, Mena, Yena, I don't recall. Their other catcher, he's nothing special either. They could have used, like an Astadio, you know, he's he's a good defensive oriented catcher. Renault is not, but can hit more. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, in any case, I mean I'm I'm sure like when we were talking about Zach Lee, we don't know the full story. The teams obviously know a lot more than us, so maybe they have the reasons, I don't know. But it would have been nice to see any of the either of those two guys in Brooklyn for the series. Alright, well uh we wish Brooklyn and Syracuse well. Hope they make the playoffs. And uh, I guess, you know, we'll we'll pick back up on this next week when we know one way or the other what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, Steve, uh, Lucas, and Ken a week from now will be saying to Steve, Lucas, and Ken today that we were pretty smart. And, yeah, uh, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that, that Syracuse pitching popped off. The Brooklyn bats hit like 30 homers in the playoff run. It was it was all good. Yeah, makes. Yeah, I'll quote. I don't think you guys were. I don't think either one of you guys were here for this amazing Avenue meme. Uh, fucking logic. No, I don't remember this. No, okay, I have to. It, it was there was this weird cartoon maker on YouTube. Well, no, it wasn't on YouTube, but it's a weird cartoon maker that you could make like your own kind of cartoons. And voice them over. And oh, oh, was it with like the stupid talking cat head thing? And like, uh, I, I vague, I think I might know what you're talking about. I'll, I'll have to, I'll link it maybe in the uh, podcast post uh-huh. for anyone that's listening. I'll send the link to you guys later. But yeah, but one of the one of the memes is is you know fucking logic talking about things that like make no sense. But like you're a sports bro, so you're just like yeah, it's fucking logic, man. So hopefully our future selves will be saying that about what we were just saying. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we will be back 
after this message. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to From Complex to Queens. I'm Steve, and I'm joined by Lucas and Ken. And we will now go over. Oh yeah, that guy. Where we take a look back and remember some Mets minor leaguers of yesteryear that we've probably forgotten about until now. So who do you guys have? Or would you like me to go first? Whoever wants to go first. You can go first. Alright, so um, I stretched it a little bit. This week was uh, the 25th to the 30th. But I stretched mine a little bit and I went from the 20th to the 30th. And I had TJ Chisholm. He appeared in six games for St. Lucie in 2013. He pitched seven innings total. He had a 129 ERA, and he saved four bowl games. So Chisholm was drafted by the Mets in the third, uh, 32nd round of that 2009 draft at a LaSalle University in Philly. And he was a decent hitter. He mostly played first place for the Explorers, and he hit a cumulative... 289, 412, 466. And he also pitched a little bit as a way to get more exposure and, you know, scouts' attention. But he was pretty... uh, He wasn't particularly good as a pitcher. Uh, He had a cumulative 669 ERA in 76.2 innings and underwhelming peripherals. Obviously, though, the Mets needed to draft somebody, and they saw something in Chisholm, the pitcher, and they drafted him as a pitcher in the 32nd round. And... He's pretty undersized. He's only 5'10", or was, I should say, only 5'10", 190 pounds. So I guess it's easier to get away with an undersized pitcher rather than an undersized first baseman. And it's actually a little bit unfortunate about his size because his dad is Tom Chisholm, and he's a former top prospect with the Orioles, and he had a pretty good bat. So, you know, no doubt he could have helped TJ as a hitter if he developed that way. But he became a pitcher, and, you know, he... He saw him at the Mets. He made his professional debut, Kingsport. He got a quick cup of coffee with the Cyclones at the end of his first professional year. And his 2010 season was pretty much the same. He started the year at Kingsport. He spent most of the season there. And then he got a little time at the Cyclones at the end of the year, though he spent a little bit more time there as compared to uh, 2009. And he was a lot more successful in Kingsport the second time around than he was in the first uh, 0.90 ERA as compared to 5.12 ERA in pretty much the same amount of innings. So clearly he was ready for the next step. And in 2011, he started the year in Brooklyn, and he was solid there. He had a 171 ERA, 32.2 innings, and Rich Donnelly basically started using him as the closer. 
and he got promoted to the Savannah Sand Nats in 2012, and Louis Rojas used him as a, as the closer as well. And he ended the year with a 2.34 ERA in 45 relief appearances with 19 saves. His 2013 season is pretty much the same. He was a closer for St. Lucie, and he posted a 2.21 ERA in 47 appearances. He got promoted to Binghamton in 2014, and like so many other guys, he hit that double-A speed bump. He did have an undisclosed injury in late May, so who knows how long that was actually bothering him and impacting him, but... Um, he posted a 7.65 ERA in 16 games to the B-Mets, and he eventually got demoted and sent back down to St. Lucie. And he was only okay in St. Lucie for the rest of the year. He posted a 4.07 ERA in 24 games, and at the end of the year, the Mets let him go. So he took the, he, he played in the Indies in the 2015 season. He played for the Somerset Patriots and the Camden River Sharks. And then when the season ended, he decided to hang up his cleats for good as a professional player. But a few months later, he got a call from Widener University, which is a small Division three school in Pennsylvania, and they hired him as their pitching coach. And I'm not saying that he didn't deserve the job or anything like that, but it definitely, it definitely helps that he's from Chester, which is where the school is, and that his dad is an alumni from that school. So, you know, the good connections. And, you know, his major league career didn't work out, but it seems like he's happy. Um, he doesn't, you know, he, he didn't have the best stuff. His fastball is basically like around 90, and he complemented it with a fringe slider and a fringe changeup. But he says that he sees a lot of that. Uh, he says he's, excuse me, he sees a lot of himself in the kids that he's coaching, and that makes him happy to, you know, help them get every little inch of stuff out of them that that he can because you know division three schools it's the, the premium talent isn't really playing there you know so the kids that he's teaching aren't really world beaters just like himself um he said uh, quote he said we don't get guys here who throw in the high 80s so we don't get fixated on miles per hour we look for location good kids and the ability to repeat their delivery so he has yet to have one of his pitchers drafted um or anybody from the university since he's a spin coach there but maybe one day and again it seems like he's happy he's helping coach kids that you know like himself weren't the best and you know basically as long as you're happy doing your job you know and it seems like it seems like he's getting a lot out of helping these kids yep so that's his uh tj chism uh, should I go then? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my guy was Sean Bowman, mm. who I had never heard of before doing this. Um, so Bowman was a, uh, uh, back, a prospect back in the early 2000s. He was taken in the 12th round of the 2002 draft, um, uh, from a, a, a school in British Columbia. So a Canadian dude. Um, so third baseman. Uh, bigger bodied, not like, eh, not, not dissimilar from Beatty, maybe a little bit smaller, but, uh, a reasonable, reasonable play at third. Um, he started his career, uh, he, he didn't, uh, uh, sign immediately, um, but eventually he got started and bounced around the low minors for a couple years with the Mets. He had some injury issues. Eventually, uh, going into 2005, he had some serious back issues that would limit him basically the rest of his career and then, uh, uh, eventually led to his release later on in 2010. 
Um, but he did have a couple good years. His best season was at Double A. I guess they would have still been the Binghamton Mets back then. Mm-hmm. Um, three three hundred seventy nine plate appearances, nine homers, two ninety four, three forty six, four fifty eight. That's good for a one twenty one weighted. Um, and for the last week of the season, he had a three twenty average, uh, a three seventy on base, six hundred slugging, a one sixty seven weighted, and uh, added in uh, a home run and four doubles. So closed out that season strong. Uh, in 2009, which was really his his last uh, hurrah with the Mets. Uh, after that, they released him, and the Blue Jays claimed him off waivers. He bounced around to the Braves and the Marlins for a little bit. Actually, was on uh, the Canadian national team uh, in 2009, though he didn't appear in any games. Uh, and after being out of baseball for a couple of years, he actually joined uh, the DSL Pirates team as their uh, manager. They have two teams, so he's managing one of their DSL teams uh, this year. Uh, so perhaps trying to work his way up the coaching ladder. Yeah, Bowman was a bit before my time as well, so I have nothing really to add there. Yeah. I mean, I find the best way to find, to get names for this exercise is just minor league ball top 20s and just go back year by year until I find a name I haven't seen before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the whole point the whole point of, oh, yeah, that guy is to be like, oh, yeah. And he's definitely he's definitely a, a pretty obscure if you wanna, if you wanna hear some other names from the list I got him from, which was the 26 Mets top 20, Lastings Millage, Anderson Hernandez, Brian Bannister, uh, Robert Parnell, not Bobby Parnell still, <laughs> Jeff Keppinger, Mike Carp, both on this list, uh, Nick Evans, who, um, John Neese, so a bunch of, a bunch of names I recognize, and then a couple I'm like, who the hell is this guy? When you think about it, that's not really that bad because every single one of those guys did play in the major leagues for at least, like, some time. Yeah, and I skipped over Mike Pelfrey. Uh, I don't know who Emmanuel Garcia or Brett Harper is. Fernando Martinez was a real prospect and just got screwed by his knees going out. So, like, this was a bad – this was widely regarded as a bad farm system that turned out some okay players. Yeah. Phil Humper threw a no-hitter. <laughs> Not with the Mets, unfortunately. No, of course not with the Mets. The, the they Phil, traded him for the guy who did. The Phil Umber that I saw as a Mets was like pitching clearly over his head in a very pivotal playoff game, in a very pivotal game of playoff consequences in like 2008, I think it was. Yes. Either seven yeah. or eight, I think eight. We, we don't mention those years. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will redact all of that then. We'll go back to editing. Those, uh, those are some bad times. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kenny. Who do you got for us? Um, I <clears throat> I chose uh, Matt Oberste, um, who this week for the in 2016 for the Binghamton Mets hit 375, 444, 375. That's a 139 WRC plus. Um, we may have done Matt Oberste before, but. That's the power of, oh yeah, that guy. That's that what I was going to say, are... is that everybody should be reminded every <laughs> now and then of Matt Oberstein's baseball career. Right, these guys are so, there's just something about most of these guys that you can literally talk about them on Sunday and then forget about them on Monday. I, I sure as hell forgot about Matt Oberstein. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was born in uh, Fort Smith, Arizona and went to high school in Salisaw, uh, high school in Salisaw, Oklahoma. He was the Oklahoma Athlete of the Year, apparently. That's um, high praise. Yeah. That's like a real <laughs> football state. 
And that's actually kind of surprising because, I mean, I saw my fair share of Matt Oberste in his later years, and I would not consider him no. athletic. No. <laughs> well, it didn't get him any D1 scholarships, so he still ended up going to, to JUCO for a year after, you know, his high school career ended. And he uh, played at Connors State College in Warner, Oklahoma. And then transferred to the University of Oklahoma after, you know, that season. And, uh, he played two years for the Sooners, hit 312, 413, 536 as a junior, and 373, 458, 622 as a senior. So pretty distinguished college career in like a pretty good conference. Um, he was on the Big 12 all-conference team and, uh, was the MVP of the Charlottesville Regionals uh, in the, the College World Series qualifying. Uh, so the Mets drafted him in the seventh round of 2013, and he signed for $325,000. They sent him to Brooklyn, where he really didn't hit at all uh, for the rest of the, the 2013 season. He spent 2014 with Savannah and hit 274, 320, 435. Um, basically, they, they promoted him a level a year until he got to Binghamton, where he never left. Um, in 2015, he was a Florida State League All-Star uh, and hit 301, 359, 430. And then uh, 2016 was the first of his three years in Binghamton. Uh, where he was an Eastern League All-Star and was the uh, MVP of the All-Star game that year, hitting 283, 340, 409 uh, with Binghamton. Uh, he was sent back to Binghamton in 2017 and, you know, wasn't appreciably worse or anything, um, and then sent back to Binghamton for a third time, and that's when everything kind of fell apart. He hit 185, 234, 289, and then went hitless in uh, two at-bats for Vegas before the Mets released him in early July. He spent the rest of the season with the Somerset Patriots, where he was a teammate of Andy Chavez, uh, current Cyclones miscellaneous coach, <laughs> uh, Alex Castellanos, who was with the Mets at least in spring training one year, uh, Jace Boyd, uh, former, oh yeah, that guy contestant, I guess. Um, Dwayne Below and, uh, Aaron Laffey. And, uh, this year he's played for the Rockland Boulders of the Can-Am Association, another independent league. And he's kind of destroying the ball. Um, hitting 321, 374, 510 with 12 homers in 318 plate appearances. So I don't know if their season is still going or not, but, you know, Can-Am MVP <laughs> type year. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're going heavy on the Canadian theme today, I guess. Can Am <laughs> League, Bowman. I think, you know, when you start going to, you know, a lot of games and amateur scouting, evaluating, whatever it is you want to say that we do, but like once you do it enough, there's always like that guy that you just see a bazillion times. And for me, uh, Matt Obesty <laughs> was that guy. I must have seen him in like 12 games. Over, you know, probably all of them with Binghamton, I guess, from, you know, well, yeah, yeah, he was, he was there forever. <laughs> yeah. He's the Mickey Yannis. Jan I always say Yannis. It's Janice, isn't it? 
I mean, you might be right, and I'm always wrong, but I just well, yeah, well, I, I, mean, I say it, Jay. He's the Mickey Janice of first base for Binghamton. Famously, um, Pete Alonso DH'd there for a while in deference to Bob. Oh, yeah, space. I remember that. <laughs> and everyone was like, what the, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> Well, That's a very Mets thing to do, right? Yeah, there. so say the Mets are definitely not a short-sighted organization. So. <laughs> no, no, we have great. They, they always accurately assess the talent of the players that they play. Uh huh. That's a thing that always happens here. We didn't right, almost well. let Jeff McNeil become a minor league free agent or anything like that. No, not at all. Yeah. All right, well, those are. Oh yeah, our guys. And if anyone has any questions or comments or concerns or anything, you can shoot us an email over at our email address, which is from complex to queens at, g- at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and um, bother us there. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at lvahus343. And Ken is at, at Kevin1191. And please subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, if you haven't already. And rate and review them. And obviously, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week um, with a recap of the week. And hopefully, the Mets teams are seeing some playoff games. So, until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.